Casey Cochran, here with my uh, old co-host. I don't know what to call y'all. Oh, <laughs> my my, my original co-host. <laughs> it has been like 280 some episodes. It's been a yes. lot. Uh, but I'm here with Matthew Dawkins. Flam McMucus. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> and Eddie Webb. Uh, Payne McSore. <laughs> Are we just naming things that happen because of diseases? Yeah, I don't know why we're all, all from Scotland with our mucks, <laughs> but uh, I'm guessing Dixie then is rheumatism muck arthritis. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm egg and ill humors. <laughs> oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> First, I was just ripping off of the old thing because certainly I do feel old right now because I have I have started running and my body does not like this change in status. No, it's a silly thing to do, Eddie. Unless someone's chasing really? you, in which case, go ahead. Yeah, so that's yeah. My, that, that's my plan. Is like if I start learning how to run, that I can start actually escaping people more and eventually, you know, maybe be considered for being an assistant to the doctor because that's clearly a important mm. skill is being able to run run from things. Or, or you could chase other people. <laughs> I feel like that's frowned could. upon. Oh, you know, so what if you are... Uh, you know how in, especially in American TV shows, there are always those couriers that turn up who who say something like, uh, are you Dixie Cochran? And you say yes. Consider yourself served, or you yeah. have been served. Uh, and you need to... Uh, be one of the if you're one of these couriers, you need to have to run really fast because sometimes Dixie Cochran's eyes are going to go wide and think, "Shit, I'm about to be served with court papers." She bolts for the window. Eddie, the <laughs> courier, needs to run down those stairs and get outside before Dixie's uh, running, weaving between all the lawnmowers and people who are always working outside <laughs> where she lives. See, I mean, I, I see where you're going with this, but also I. Being an intelligent person recognizes if I just got a cup of coffee and an orange mug, I could also get Dick Sackman to come to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's that's the thing. If you watch the TV shows where they're clever about serving people, yeah. instead of, like, chasing them down, they're always, like, a food delivery person. He's, he's like, right. I have brought you food. And you're like, hey, thanks for the food. And you Hang on, this food. isn't ham in my sub. This is these court documents. <laughs> that that literally happens on suits. So I'm just saying. Like, nice. a, like a, a, a Chinese food delivery person shows up at the office. And it's like, mm. here's your Chinese food. And they're all being kind of a dick to him. And then yeah. and then he's like, he's like, I'm not a delivery guy. You've been served. And I'm like, yeah. Because I am one of the... <laughs> millions of Americans who decided to watch Suits since it landed on Netflix for some reason. I was like, oh, I'll watch a 10-year-old show about lawyers. Yeah, we do love our wealthy white men. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's also, it's, it's, it's got Gina Torres and Meghan Markle. It which, does, it does. I like Gina Torres and Meghan Markle. Uh, At least well, as, as actors, I don't know anything about them as people. Did Meghan Markle change her name when she got married? I, don't, I genuinely don't know, and I probably uh, should She is listed on IMDb, I think, as Meghan Duchess of Sussex. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is one of the funniest <laughs> things to see if you go to the suit's IMDb, is it's like all these normal actors and then Meghan Duchess of Sussex. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, every time I see that, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I remember once getting a letter to my address uh, that's clearly someone who owed bailiffs money had just given a random address because we got right. a letter from bailiffs saying 
you are and it wasn't addressed to us it was addressed to someone else at our address and it was like a final notice saying you know, we will be sending uh, bailiffs round to collect uh, property to the value of whatever and i was absolutely terrified that they right. wouldn't believe me if they if these i i have a certain picture in my mind of repo men i suppose uh, that they would turn <laughs> up at the door and I'd say, no, of course my name isn't Annie whatever. Uh, <laughs> look, I've got idea. Yeah, likely story. Push me out the way. Grab the TV, Nintendo Switch, get that PC. Oh, that record collection looks nice. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I, I, I clearly need to take up... I know, because running wouldn't help in that case, would it? No, Some they would of... just take your stuff. <laughs> yeah, they're not trying to take me. That's not how bailiffs <laughs> work. Although that is an interesting dystopian idea, isn't it? That we're, if you don't like, have you, the property, we'll you take your repoed? organs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll repo bits of you. I'm sure I mean, repo the genetic opera. Is <laughs> Damn it! I was hoping we'd stumbled <laughs> upon a new role-playing game there, but it might be a copyright infringement instead. Bah! We'll I'm sure it. every RPG is if you look close enough. It was, we'll call it Depot the Genetic Hip Hop. Oh! <laughs> That's set in a bus depot. Right, exactly. <laughs> I was spelling it D-E-P-O in my head because of how repo is spelled, and I was like, yeah. that's just the birth control shot. It's just dead. Oh, well, in that case, that's a different Depo. kind of hip-hop opera, isn't it? Um, so, Depot, the hip-hop opera about birth control. Hmm, I think we've got to have probably a religious element in this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I could see this working, probably not as an RPG. Which, after all, is the reason most people listen to this uh, this podcast. Did we just access down once another five minute pitch episode? You know, I'm open to it. <laughs> Scrap the episode. We're doing five minute pitches now. Look, we can change the title before the episode goes out, so no one has to know what we were going to talk about. It's true. Imagine me just throwing a bunch of papers to the ground. You know, <laughs> all my <laughs> notes, my glorious notes. I just swipe swipe an arm across my desk. There goes the coffee. There go the court papers. No! We need those. Yeah, they go out the window, get eaten by the lawnmower. It's the circle of life. But there aren't lawnmowers outside today, thank God. Yes, we should thank God for that. He intervened. Are you trying to bring religion into everything right now, Matthew? Oh, well, maybe I've, uh, I've seen the light. Maybe no. No, that that's just the five minutes of of daylight we get nowadays. Yes, uh, it is uh, the latter part of October at time of recording. So seeing the light is a brief brief window into hope, and uh, otherwise I'll be waiting four months before it comes back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I lived in Seattle, and the sun used to start going down at like four, and I was like, "What? Why?" Yeah, that's about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why? Why is the, why is North and South a thing? You know, why why don't we all get this? We, we should all we should all get the same light. Damn it, that's what we should be campaigning for. We're asking our politicians to guarantee for us. I want the same amount of light as the person who lives two thousand miles south of me. Yes, please move the sun. Yes. If only there was a way in which we could create light inside of our own domiciles that was independent of the sun. Well, uh, what kind of game would you pitch for that, Eddie, in this five-minute pitch episode? Because I, I'm stumped. 
I mean, I think we've already done the uh, uh, perpetually underground RPG, so I can't really squeaks in the deep. Squeaks, yeah, yes, <laughs> right. The squeaks below. Yes, I mean, the squeaks below just, the squeaks in the deep. This, this just sounds like it would be like a Tesla Edison situation. <laughs> you know, making light inside your own home. Well, this is where the rivalry bears its its ugly head, Dixie, because uh, for a long time I've known Eddie has been deeply resentful of the world below. Uh, coming along, uh, what, in the last, in, in about two years, one year, one and a half years after Squeaks in the Deep? Yep. Uh, because uh, I stole yeah. pretty much all of my ideas from <laughs> Squeaks. And, um, Wait, I, I wrote on that. Are you saying that you stole my ideas? Oh, your yes. ideas most of all. Wow! My, yeah. All of my mouse and rat character creation? Uh, you may have <laughs> noticed the Makiru in, uh, in the world below. It, I mean, that entry is word for word what you wrote in Squeaks in the Deep. Weird. I mean, it doesn't make sense within Story Path Ultra, but somehow no one has noticed yet. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I didn't, I didn't see the word psionics in your thing, but sure, like here we are. I I spelled it with a Y instead of an I. <laughs> P P S Y O N Y X. No, I decided to go with S Y, just S Y, no P. Uh, like, oh, okay. yeah, the obligatory wrestling reference. Psycho Sid, who used to be in the WWF, oh, was S Y C H O, I think, uh, because it was deemed that uh, wrestling fans wouldn't know what P S Y C H O actually meant, so they had to spell it. I guess you could say phonetically. Wait, really? Yep. Yep, that's why they spelled it like that. Because also, wouldn't it phonetically just be a K instead of a CH? Well, Maybe that's like, a good question. F yeah, I guess. Y K O. Yeah, because he should be Sycho, shouldn't he? Sycho Sid. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Yeah, you're right. It is. I I, I never uh, realized that because I guess I always heard it and never really saw it on the screen. But yeah, you're right. It's S Y C H O. Yeah, because we wrestling fans, we ain't smart, you see. <laughs> If there's one thing that is common across all my wrestling fan friends, it's that you're all very smart. Like, that's such a weird thing to assume, is that, like, oh, wrestling fans can't spell a, you know, six-letter word. Mm. Well, the, although we would sit there so confused during the match that we'd miss everything that happens, and it's only by the end of it where we hear his name pronounced, Psycho Sid! Oh, oh what happened? You're, you're sitting there the entire match going, like, just counting the letters on my but, fingers, you know, but, just go P. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Um, it, it just reminds me. I remember um, growing up uh, for for years as a kid. Uh, I would have you know uh, psych you know, as a kind of yeah. I didn't psych. really yeah. that, right. Um, for years, me and my friends always spelled it S I K E. Right. But I think that and is the common it. spelling of it. Yeah. Right, but it's supposed to be P-S-Y-C-H-E. Well, the thing is, I've done that, I think, to Dixie one. <laughs> and I wrote it out, and I don't know what it was we were writing about on one of the Onyx Path discords, but I just came out with a psyche. And <laughs> realised, this looks stupid, so I quickly edited it to say S-I-K-E, and then I just felt sick to myself. Yeah, I think I think when I was a kid we spelled it either S I K E or S Y K E. But it was definitely always spelled differently from the word psych as in like psyche or psych the TV show. Well, right, and, right. 
and see, I was friends with someone when I was a young boy, and sure played a mean pinball. And we, <laughs> uh, and my friends and I were first getting into things like Super Mario and Street Fighter. Uh, I had a friend who would only ever refer to the Super Mario Brothers as the Super Mario Bros. Um, <laughs> and this was the time when Bros were a popular-ish boy band, so there there was precedent. Oh. But, oh, okay. but there was also M. Bison, uh, in at least the uh, European and North American version, Dictator in yep. Street Fighter, mm-hmm. uh, who had psycho powers, that's what they were called, Psycho Crusher and things like that. Except he didn't say them, it was spelled out as Psycho Crusher, and my friend thought it was uh, Pissico. <laughs> uh, so again, it's, um, yeah. And, you know, I think, is it Luke Goss or Matt Goss? One of the Goss brothers of the Bros boy band is now a pretty successful actor. But, as I say, pretty successful because I don't think anyone's going to immediately be able to name what movies he's been in. I th- actually, was he in what the Hobbit movies? Maybe one I, of the Goss brothers. I, I've got, I I've got to look you. it up now. I believe you. Um, but <laughs> the, the, my, my epitome of word you've only ever seen written down Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's something I think all of us have experienced. When you, when you read a lot as a kid is where you end up reading a word a lot, but never actually saying it. And so you're kind of like oh, yeah. half dressing. Um, uh, a, a friend of mine, we were, we were talking about uh, a werewolf and um, just kind of going back and forth. And we never got around to mentioning the full title of the game. And then finally, at some point in time, it, it comes up and, and he, 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 spe- he calls it Werewolf the Apoclaps. Apoclaps. I like that. That's got a bit of room to it. I tried so hard not to laugh because I knew what was going on, but I could I, I couldn't help it. I was just like, I, I want to play World of the Apoclaps. That's amazing. <laughs> it sounds like Apoclaps. <laughs> right? Which sounds like a My Little Pony. <laughs> it does sound like a My Little Pony. It really I think, does. Uh, this episode is now mispronunciations. Um, so Luke <laughs> Goss of the boy band Bros uh, went on to appear in Blade 2 as Jared. Okay. And oh. uh, Hellboy 2 as Prince Nuada. He's really good at sequels. Who could be Nuada. Uh, see, my own pronunciation issues here. He's also uh, in Death Race 2. Death Race 2, yes. Yes, in fact, I watched Death Race 2 not longer. He was in the Tekken movie, but that's nothing to be proud of. Uh, I've seen that movie. Oh, I I, I watched it recently for uh, research for uh, my my work on They Came From the RPG Anthology, and oh, man, that is not a good movie. Yeah, he trains Jin Kazama in that. You, you bloody bastard, Jin Kazama. I'll teach you to be a proper (laughs) fighter in it. So uh, I, 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 I also Wikipedia'd both of these brothers who I had never heard of, mm-hmm. and I found out that the the other one, Matt Goss, wrote the yes. theme song for "So You Think You Can Dance," which is now stuck in my head because I have watched many, many seasons of "So You Think You Can Dance." <laughs> so when I said a somewhat successful boy band, I would go, I would say, hazard a guess, these two probably experienced their true flush of fame later in life once they left Bros, but. Uh, that is what I uh, I associate them with. Yeah, I had, I had never heard of, of Bross. Mm. Also, it's still weird to me that it's pronounced Bross. And I get that their last name is Ross, but I think that it should have no, two No, it's Goss. Oh, it's Goss. Unless but... their actual name is Ross and they change it to Goss to be in Bross. <laughs> I feel like Bross should have two S's. 
because of goss and their bros yeah. and it's yeah. like a play on words, but instead it's like it's 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 just the word bros. But there's a, a clothing store in the UK called Moss Brothers, and most people call that Moss Bros. Moss Bros. I've heard of Moss Bros. Yeah. Mm. I, I I feel about Super Mario Bros. the same way that I felt about the first time that you said SNES on the podcast. And yet I was vilified and then vindicated. <laughs> because yes. I found a lot of other people who, uh, who were calling it SNES and no longer did I feel the pariah that you made me to be. <laughs> now I'm just simply a martyr for, for the cause. Whereas, whereas everyone I know in the US specifically said SNES. Yes. Everyone. Right. Well, if you want to make life harder for yourself, that's on you. I mean, I, I've come to accept SNES. I, I, however, I will still judge you for pronouncing uh, Sega Genesis as Master System. Oh, I wouldn't. I'd call it a Mega Drive because I'm not an idiot. <laughs> a Mega Drive, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, this is why it hasn't just been the three of us for quite some time. Right, because right, right. It's because we, we, it's we been a long time since we had the next 20-minute direction. We... Are we saying that D is a grounding influence on us? I think so. Oh, she weird. stops the fights. <laughs> she she starts fights all the time. She yeah, she starts the fights. <laughs> she starts the fights she wants to fight because she, she knows she can win them. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, Danielle knows she can win her fights, but she doesn't like to see us fighting. I think it's uh, she's a, to use a Game of Thrones reference because I know everyone loved the end of that TV show. Uh, she she is a little finger. In the in the barrel. <laughs> um, yes, there we go. <laughs> Segway from that, Dixie. <laughs> well, actually, funny that you should say that because I was going to say that my most mispronounced word that I had read and not ever uh, figured out what it was was segue when I was a kid because oh. I thought it was pronounced sieg because of the word fugue. Oh, oh yeah, I could see that. Yeah, 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 I like I like knew the word fugue because mm. of, because of music. Yeah, and right. then. I saw the word Segway written down and I was like, well, that's clearly Sieg because it's spelled very similarly. The same way. Yep. Um, and then when Segway, the ride came out, it was S-E-G-W-A-Y. And I was like, of course, it's how you spell Segway. And yeah. at one point I said that something like Sieged and my friend was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I oh, was like, you, you know, it like moved from one thing to the other. Sieged. Nope. Segway. Which, which means which means venue should be pronounced venue. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I quite English like that, is stupid. though. Venue. <laughs> I am an English major who edits for a living, and English is dumb. The dumb English language. is dumb. It, it desperately needs a new edition. Uh, it really I, does. I would go so far as to say Segway, well, Segway sounds like a French word. Uh, I'm not trying to cast, uh, not, uh, here's a word I, I often mispronounce. Uh, let's call it aspersions this time. Um, <laughs> on to the French. But when you get the, that U-E, the soft U-E, the suede, the Segways, the... <laughs> <laughs> the, the venues, um, yeah, that all seems a little Frankish to me. Segway uh, is apparently Italian for the word follows. Well, there oh. we go. Well, close enough. I just looked up the etymology. Part of the EU in it, <laughs> or, yeah. or, or as they would prefer to be called, the U. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 U. Yeah. The U. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh. Uh, what other words have you mispronounced at, uh, at some point? Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, here's some words you might mispronounce. Uh, in Law of the well, Traditions... You're, 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 you're mispronouncing mispronounce right now. I am. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I am subverting. It's uh, like a mispronounceception. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or mispronounception. Uh, Law of the Traditions has an awful lot of... <laughs> <laughs> mispronunciations. <laughs> Has some fantastic mispronunciations. Uh, I recommend that book if this is... No. Uh, I wanted to spend a little bit of time on this episode. I mean, God help me at this point. Um, For instance, looking at the index, right, or the contents right now, you've got words like uh, uh, paradigm. (laughs) A.K.A. Uh, paradigm. Yes. Uh, You have... And see, there's lots of words in here that are actually... Because Lord of the Traditions... To speak in its favour, because it is a very good book. Uh, it it's actually covers an awful lot of international culture. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean, if you're at all familiar with Mage of the Ascension, you'll know that the traditions often hail from disparate parts of the globe. Uh, or right. at least... Uh, <laughs> 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 i so... you mispronounce things and correct you through the whole episode. Yes, and so there are words I could mispronounce here and be uh, criminally offensive if I did it. So I'm not going to do that. Good. Uh, luckily, I don't think anyone's going to be offended by the mispronunciation of paradigm. Uh, but uh, here's a word I don't think I could pronounce right off the bat. Antinomianism? Anti- antinomianism? This is know. in the Cult of Ecstasy chapter. Is, is that the aesthetic belief that you hate gnomes? No, there's no G. Yes. Otherwise, I would say absolutely, uh. Eddie. That's exactly <laughs> what it means. <laughs> Let's there's see. There's a lot of that in Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, Antinomism. <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, uh, the point of Law of the Traditions, just to briefly get things on topic before we uh, whiz off again, is to actually is to make the various traditions of Mace the Ascension more accessible and also provide a whole lot of character and story hooks with it. I honestly, when this book was outlined, didn't think that would be possible. And I know that probably sounds a bit damning, but you want to outline an impossible book? Well, I'm so I'm a I'm a fan of Mage Ascension. I like running it. I like playing it, and I can say the same for most any World of Darkness game, except mm-hmm. uh, Mummy: The Resurrection. Fuck that! But <laughs> wow, uh, no, I've got got nothing against Mummy: The Resurrection, but <laughs> Mummy, Mummy. <laughs> But Lore of the Traditions, and well, specifically Mage the Ascension, I've always found it quite difficult to convey what the game is about. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's because that. there is a lot going on in there. Uh, it doesn't have the same, I guess, simplistic message that something like Vampire does, to me, anyway. Or, or Wraith, for that matter. I think part of that is because, like, I mean, Wraith is a, is a different story, but for, like, Vampire and Werewolf, those are so, like, in the culture of, like, this is what that is. Yeah. Whereas if you say mage to me, that conjures up, like, every magic user I've seen in media. Exactly. Which and, is a lot of different things. And that is what Mage the Ascension tries to do, and I think when you're playing it, it does it very, very well. Yes. When you're reading it, it can feel a little like information overload. Uh, because of those uh, disparate various traditions that <laughs> are that are spread across the world, and yet 
so Travis took on the uh, Herculean task of developing Lore of the Tradition and somehow made a book with his incredibly talented crew of authors that is accessible, it's mm -hmm. readable, and it makes each of the traditions passable. Uh, I don't mean in a P-A-S-S, -S, I mean P-A-R-S. Um, I can, and I have, read this book now more than once, partly in my role as the World of Darkness line developer, but also just for fun, because it reminds me of the things I enjoyed from the clan books, tradition books of old, uh, working on books like Law of the Bloodlines for V20. Uh, there's so much punchy bits, or so many punchy bits of information in this, as well as usable tools like merits and flaws and ropes and, and as I say, hooks that you can attach a character to, that all of a sudden, I think, if you paired this with Mage, the Ascension 20th Anniversary Edition, you have got the perfect player's guide. It is a brilliant launch pad for any Mage Chronicle, in my view, whether you're reading this as a player or as a storyteller, because you need antagonists, you need supporting characters too. All of that can be found in here. So my hat goes off uh, to, to Travis and team on this book, because I was genuinely impressed with how well it's been pulled together and how much maturity has gone into the writing of it, because... Something we've we've seen a lot, I guess, as fans, as peers of the team that works on games like Werewolf the Apocalypse Fifth Edition, mm -hmm. is it can be incredibly difficult to thread the needle of how do you present uh, real world cultures mm -hmm. in in a role playing game when in the nineties it was seen. Uh, Partly, uh, somewhat, I would say, especially by role players, as positive representation to have uh, a diverse sort of panoply, if you like, mm. uh, of, of of tribes, of traditions, and so on. But as the world has got a little wiser, as we have gained a little more access to information, and as uh, minority cultures are getting their voices increasingly heard, for good reason, we can now look mm. at some of those tribes and some of those traditions and some of those clans and think... Mm, okay, that doesn't stand up to modern day scrutiny. It yeah. needs to be handled with more delicate hands, um, a little more sensitivity, certainly more maturity. And sometimes that means hiring someone from that culture or someone incredibly well informed about that culture. It's also just easier to research now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, back in the 90s, we didn't have w Wikipedia, you know? <laughs> exactly. Which, like, you could at least get a basic framework of a lot of things off of that. I'm not saying mm. that it's like the, you know, be all end all of, 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 of research, but it's not a bad jumping off point, especially no. because of all the references at the bottom. Like, that is what my college professors always said was like, don't cite Wikipedia, but cite the citations that Wikipedia has. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because right. they're usually good citations. Exactly. And so with uh, Law of the Traditions, one of those reasons I was thinking, oh, this, this could be a tricky book to put together is because we have the Akashiana, we have the, uh, well, so the Akashiana very much fulfills a cultural group. Mm -hmm. You have the Celestial Chorus or Choristers who 
uh, fulfil a broadly religious group. And uh, then you have what were or are commonly known as the Euthanatos, uh, sometimes the Chakravanti, and as I mentioned, the, these often tie to different groups all the way all around the world. And what the authors were able to do with Law of the Traditions is keep those ties, but and I think this was the crucial thing. Not have it that, for instance, real world disasters are tied to fictional groups or right. uh, or historical events are the responsibility of this mage or that marauder or that nefandus or so on. Instead, they use the real world culture in a sensitive way to add flavor to these fictional groups, an authentic seeming flavor. And so... I can only recommend Law of the Traditions. I think it was put together with so much, uh, so much sensitivity and maturity, and more than that, it is an incredibly usable book. So I know it took us uh, twenty minutes to get there, but I I can't <laughs> extol the virtues of this uh, mage source book enough. It's it's a great piece of work. Yeah, we are ostensibly talking about recent releases on on this episode since we skipped that part. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I don't know yes. about any recent releases by Bros. No, no, I, I don't think there have been that many. No. Although apparently no. there is a documentary from a few years ago, of some sort. Wow, wow. I don't know. It, it was it was on the Wikipedia page once again. Yeah. Well, we like, we need to cite the reference. I think. I'd say Wikipedia correctly. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like I, I like books like that. Even even if you don't want to read it cover to cover, if you just want, you know, your lore about a couple of traditions that you're interested in, that's still a really good thing to pick up. Um, mm. Much much like the clan books used to be. Yeah. And is it structured like the War of the Clans in terms of like each chapter is kind of like a, a mini tradition book? Exactly so. That is that is it. You have a bit of history, uh, some law, some contemporary law. You've got your usable tools, some interesting characters, even some future fates material. Because something Mage Twenty did that uh, the other twentieth anniversaries didn't was try and see how the world of Mage would look through today's eyes. Because I forgot about future fates. Yeah, I like yeah. edited a couple things that had future fates on them back when um, I was still just freelance. <laughs> Yeah, and it's something that that's something that appeared and disappeared from various World of Darkness games at various points. I remember in Vampire the Dark Ages there were future fates or something. I can't remember exactly what they were called. Uh, and then they were done away with in Dark Ages Vampire, and I think appear again here and there. But yes, in in Mage Twenty, future fates appear, and so you get that in this book. And rather than them being a straitjacket of metaplot saying, well, this is what will definitely happen, once again, they are presented as, these are ways to use this tradition or characters from mm -hmm. this tradition in your game if it is, well, if it's set in the contemporary era or slightly ahead of it. And something I think we as designers often forget is giving options for what could happen in the future instead of just a big bulk of historic lore, right. is really quite useful to storytellers. Because, 
the history is a again a great jumping off point wonderful place to start your scenario but if you're a brand new storyteller you're sometimes presented with the conundrum of well what do i do next yeah I'm, and, I'm, yeah i'm currently editing a book of uh essentially scion plot hooks mm. the entire book and i think we should do like more books like that personally or like rpg companies should yeah. If there's one thing that I always have trouble with when I'm running games, it's just n new ideas and figuring out how to resolve a plot. I'm not mm. amazing at wrapping up plots. I'm okay at like the first two parts. Yeah. <laughs> and when you get to act three, I'm like, I don't know how to wrap all this up in a way that feels satisfying. Mm. Um, that's why I don't write a lot of fiction is because it's it's difficult for me to to plot in, in, in that manner. Um, yeah. And so having someone say like, here are the three acts and here's where it could possibly go after this is really helpful to someone like me who would like yeah. to run more games and is comfortable more or less running games now, but who like struggles with certain aspects of it. So having things like future fates is really helpful because it's like, okay, I can see where this could go, you know? Mm. Absolutely. And I mean, I know something like uh, a lot of times in our jump starts, we, try a lot of times to end those with here's a few mm -hmm. things you can do if you want to keep running the game um uh but but yeah you're right matthew's like when, when you're trying to update uh an older property it's nice to be able to not only go back and quietly retcon things to modern sensibilities but also like you said look forward and like here's where where it could go and here's how, how it could play out yeah it's something um, we um I don't really feel that we could do that with Vampire twentieth anniversary back when we were on it. Uh, well, it, what, I mean, we expanded, I, I, but we never moved. Well, we rarely strode forward. You know, we did a little bit. Um, but to be fair, uh, a lot of my kind of pushing things forward was just to kind of undo some changes from Revised yeah. Edition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but I mean, even when Phil started doing the idea of the future fates i never really felt they made sense with vampires specifically just because the whole point of vampire the masquerade is that it's a society that's kind of stuck in a loop yeah um it, it doesn't really evolve or change the 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 i mean yes certain bits and pieces might move around the board as v5 has shown but uh ultimately the camera is going to be roughly the same 100 years from now as it is now as it was 100 years ago mm. uh whereas mage because it is so such a a, a metaphysical setting um, one person deciding that if they had enough power to just change everything could have a reasonable shot at doing exactly that. So mm -hmm. it makes a lot more sense to kind of actually plan out, okay, if this happens, then this is how the, the setting could change and deform in that direction. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, yeah, vampires are kind of stagnant. That's kind of their thing. And even when the new ones show up and try to change things, it's not always easy. Also, I realized I mispronounced it should be vampire, the masquerade. The masquerade. Ma yes, masquerade. Mas masquerade. <laughs> For a while, I would always pronounce it Vampire the Masquerade instead of Masquerade. Um, masquerade. I don't think mas Masquerade isn't incorrect. Uh, no. it, um, I mean, just ask the singers in the Phantom of the Opera musical. Masquerade. April Fool's <laughs> on parade. Uh, it does remind me of uh, there was um, a source book for the tune role-playing game mm. uh, where it was very, very thinly veiled attempt to try to make fun of other role-playing games. Yeah. Uh, and uh, oh, sorry, it wasn't a source book. It was a series of uh, Pyramid Magazine articles. My apologies. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and the vampire ripoff was Vampire the Masked Ace Raid, um, which was about um, right. Well, it's it, it's the it was about a bunch of were bovines, were cows, okay. uh, trying to uh, uh, infiltrate uh, the, the the ace factory where they made all the weapons. Um, but they were stopped by showing them steaks. Huh. Um, I, I didn't it. say it was good. I didn't I say it was it. good. I get, but, I get the steak joke, but... but uh, <laughs> oh, that, no. That's, that, that's not good. I, I like it because it's weak. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I know why you like me. Aww. Oh, wow. That's... Wow. <laughs> I'm not super strong. <laughs> uh, so we have other recent releases we should probably talk about. Well, you know, that, that's, you're the host. You're the one supposed to be. Uh, that's con- what I'm doing. I'm doing the show. I'm doing she the show. had an ironclad uh, fist on the, the, how this episode is planned out. Yeah. Yeah, the episode that we planned out like yesterday. <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember once working in an office and the manager. <laughs> uh, uh, this was a company called Scandia. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, and I remember the department manager had only just been hired, came up to me and he said, all right, Matthew, so your team leader's leaving. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm only two weeks in. What did I do wrong? And he said, so I'm going to have my hand firmly on your rudder. (laughs) And... And he didn't mean it as any kind of innuendo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I took it as such. And so he was talking me through. In a very, He was a very intense little man. And so he kept sort of bobbing up and down in my field. <laughs> <laughs> talking about uh, using all these maritime metaphors, which obviously appeal to me, as you know. Yeah. Right, uh, and uh, and I was just there trying to keep a straight face. Mm-hmm, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna sail these rough tides, and we're gonna catch a big fish, and we're gonna cast anchor, and all this other shite. But um, <laughs> all that said, Dixie, you go ahead, put your hand on the rudder, and steer us into calmer waters. Now that you've made an innuendo, I don't want to put my hand on the rudder. <laughs> <laughs> don't know where that rudder's been. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep my hands to myself. Uh, but we have recently put out the adventure addendum for yes. Trinity Canyon Adventure. <laughs> Do you want to talk a little bit about what's in that, Eddie? Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, the adventure addendum is uh, one of our uh, well, I think it was like our stretch goal compilations. Um, right. Usually with a lot of our uh, crowdfunding campaigns, we get lots of like you know we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about this, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and so they're usually pretty small books. This is this is no exception. There's only a couple of chapters in it. Um, but I always like them because invariably they cover topics that just don't quite make sense in a larger book. You can build like a whole other book around this, and they're a little awkward to kind of jam into a larger design, you know? Right. Um, and so uh, it, it, it's a bag of stuff, but it's a bag of interesting stuff. Uh, because it is for adventure, so it's it's kind of some of the pulpy things that are a little more on the fringes of pulp fiction. That that again didn't quite make sense to put in the core rule book, but mm-hmm. um, black people find interesting. So, 
Um, one of the ones they talk about is uh, non-human characters, which is something we actually haven't really done a lot of in Trinity Continuum, is playing yeah, people who aren't Yeah, there are a few, human. but not a whole lot. Right. Uh, but in uh, uh, the Adam, you can play uh, bird people, you can play dog people, you can play cephalopods, you can play uh, beast people, you can play gorillas, you can play robots, and you can play serpent people. What? Where do all these people right. come from? The different parts of the world and or beneath the crust and or the jungles of some of the places. They come from the world below, is what you're telling me? Uh, yes, yes, they come from the world below. So they like stole, this, but... stole the Anticia from Matthew? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what that is, but they came from beneath the crust seems like infringement to me. <laughs> I mean, what next? The world being hollow, Eddie? I'm I'm just saying, like I can convert these robot rules and play them in the world below, and you can't stop me. I think yeah. the world might be hollow and adventure because of Jules Verne. Well, it's it funny. You, it's funny you mention that because um, we uh, one of the other things that the the Adnum covers uh, is alternate timelines, um, and, and one of the uh, alternate timelines is in fact the Hollow Earth time break zero two three. Uh, and this is neat because basically um, the idea is Max Mercer is a jerk. Let's just let's just put it out there. Max Mercer is a time traveler who doesn't quite control his time travel abilities, um, and especially in the adventure when he's just finally first getting his skills, uh -huh. um, he has he has made some mistakes. Uh, and so one of the things that was actually asked about during the campaign was can they go more into how time travel works and and we ultimately we did do that on some level in the upcoming uh trinity players guide to give it a more robust take on how time travel actually works but since max is the only character with time travel it didn't make sense to do that in adventure and also right time travel wasn't really a pulp thing i mean aside from jules verne but really it wasn't that much of a pulp thing as it is now in sci-fi hmm. right um but with alternative timelines what we could do is um uh we could talk about how max made a parallel timeline it gave a different take on the world of adventure which allows you to play mm -hmm. kind of a parallel setting to it That's so cool. uh yeah like um i mentioned the the hollow earth uh there's um the coil uh and the neat thing about these is that also it talks about how this came about mm -hmm. um so uh uh uh, the coil basically is um, him. Max tried to prevent the the aberrant war in Trinity Aberrant, so he tried to bring technology back from the future, mm -hmm. and so he tried to bring uh, uh, basically fiber optics and opnet and whatnot, and then gave it to a version of Nikola Tesla, uh, okay. and so tried to kickstart uh, uh, technology like much much earlier, and so it goes horribly wrong. But it's basically. You know, a whole setting of, of mad science. What, what would happen yeah. if, if you have mad science in, in an adventure game? Like, like mm -hmm. mad science unleashed. It's uh, unfortunate how uh, how bloody unlucky Tesla is in yeah, the Trinity really Continuum. <laughs> and how so much true. of that may be down to the Mercers in general, you know, just not just Max. I mean, Tesla was pretty unlucky in real life. Yeah, I mean, we, we really pile it on to the guy... <laughs> <laughs> with right. the Trinity Continuum with uh, Aether as well. Aether. <laughs> Aether, yeah. That's what, um, <laughs> that's what villains used to scream when they fell down chasms in old uh, comic books. Was it? Aether! 
And actually, <laughs> speaking of, of, of villains, uh, another thing that uh, we have in, in the Adnum is uh, bases. You can actually have rules for making a secret base. Uh, so it's not just, uh, oh, yeah, I, I, we have access to a few extra guns or something. This is stuff like you can add tags like hideout. Um, mm-hmm. where it's it's invisible, um, or it's a mobile home where the thing actually moves, or there's a monitor where a huge screen flips out. Um, mm. uh, so, uh, uh, you know, Junkyard Paradise, where you can get all sorts of stuff to give you an enhancement if you're trying to build things ad hoc. Uh, it, you, could, you could put a bar in their actual drinking hole as a tag in your uh, base. So there's a whole kind of, of way of, of building those out to again, get closer to that kind of uh, uh, shadow slash uh, Doc Savage style of, of, of heroic secret base. Mm. Can, can your base be a boat? Yes, yeah, it absolutely can be a boat. With a so firm saying... rudder. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make the Baratier. <laughs> yes, you can make the Baratier. Uh, I just want uh, the and everything. <laughs> Would you say that Max Mercer has been spending most of his life living in a junkyard paradise? No, because I, I know where you're going with that joke, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to encourage you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a part of me, when it comes to Max Mercer, I feel bad for him because he, as an infant, he grew up in a world being besieged by Martians, and there's every possibility he's one of the very few individuals who remembers that. Mm-hmm. Right. But much like Frederick Archer, it's not really <laughs> any excuse uh, for for some of the horrible things uh, he goes on to do, so yeah, um, screw Max Mercer. Uh, he's, <laughs> he is a jerk. He chose to be a jerk. He could have at any point stopped being a jerk, but he decided to double down on the jerkiness. I mean, Frederick Usher, to be fair, takes a real turn over those six episodes. Well, that is an interesting point of debate that we probably shouldn't spoil, as the nah. fall of the House of Usher has only recently come out, but. I feel the clues are there early on. Oh, yeah, maybe, no. maybe we can discuss that off off air or in another episode <laughs> <laughs> when we decide to go all po. Um, when we decide, right. yes, because of course we do have an adventure, and they came from beyond the grave. Listeners, there's a swerve for you, uh, <laughs> which uh, is the all po references, uh, which is all po. Yeah, it is um, po all the way down. Yeah. Uh, it, I... It's Sorry, Josh Beach's adventure. You've written that one. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, uh, me and Josh are, are are friends, and recently we had a little moment of commonality over being able to watch Follow the House of Usher with our partners, mm. and constantly just be pointing at the screen, going, "That's a reference. That's that's yep. a reference. That's a Poe reference." <laughs> um, because like I did a whole semester in college on Poe. We got to pick mm. it off uh, okay. and like deep dive. Um, so I, I'm a big Poe fan. I think my dad took me to the Poe Museum when I was, like, nine. Like, I've been a Poe fan my whole life, because my dad's a Poe fan. Um, oh. And so, yeah, like, watching House of Usher, I'm like, I'm like, ah, 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 I get it. I get that thing. And, yeah, we're, we're just big nerds, is the thing. We're just big Poe nerds. <laughs> I think, yeah. Uh, if, if, if people enjoyed The Fall of the House of Usher, if you have watched it already, The Mask of the Hideous Heart, or Mask, mm-hmm. Masquay of the Hideous Heart in, in, in They Came from Beyond the Grave I is... I think you'll find it's Hideous Heart. <laughs> <laughs> Who's she? 
Uh, I think uh, it is a wonderful version of the fall of the House of Usher in RPG form. It mm-hmm. is the it is again a barrel load of Edgar Allan Poe references in one adventure. And yeah, so if you enjoyed that show, obviously this episode's going out after Halloween. But uh, if you're it's still into the spooky season. Uh, it's a wonderful scenario to run if you like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I do. Well, good. I, do. I mean, I-, I watch horror stuff year-round, so... <laughs> That's a, yeah, I don't have a, a threshold for, for when it's inappropriate. Yeah, like all the Mike <laughs> Flanagan shows, I've ended up watching by myself and then later getting my boyfriend to watch them, being like, okay, now we're going to watch it together. we got to watch it again. Let's go. Except I'm going to watch you yeah. watching it and watch for your reactions and judge you when you don't react right. to something the right way. Be a quiz later. Oh, yes. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I I waited because um the show I knew would catch his attention the most was Midnight Mass. Hmm. So he didn't watch Hill House or Bly Manor until we watched Midnight Mass first. Yeah. I knew that the it's 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 Catholicism, it's vampires, it's all kinds of generational shit. It's very cool. Um, but that's very up his alley. So I got him to watch that one first, and then I was like, wanna watch the other ones? And he was like, Yes. I was like, Yes. So I got I got him hooked on 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 Flanagan stuff, which is yeah. very exciting. Uh, but we have other things to talk about. Let's talk a little bit about a Rat in a Burning Cage, which I mistakenly called a tasty bit like four episodes ago. My goodness, it's How much more than that. And that's, I that, know. And that, <laughs> that, that that is not by any means to say that tasty bits are not worth their weight in. Go- Hang on, no, because that would say they're not worth much. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> they're worth their weight in gold as PDFs that weigh yes. literally nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they're worth their weight in Bitcoin. Oh, no, that's worth even less. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'll quickly move on before anyone catches this. I think Tasty Bits are fantastic. I, too, love that particular beverage. The <laughs> rat, rat in a Burning Cage is our, uh, one could say, our fully virtual Trinity Continuum Assassin's uh, adventure. And the... uh, And I I just saw a message from Dixie pop up that says garbage truck here. I thought, oh, you're being too harsh on yourself, Dixie. (laughs) The... (laughs) a loud garbage truck outside! (laughs) Uh, rat in a rubbish story, but whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, that, thank you, Eddie. Uh, welcome <laughs> thank to you England. for translating <laughs> yes, to, I... to English from English. <laughs> here's your flag and here's your scepter. Welcome to the <laughs> empire. Hey. Uh, so, rat in a burning cage is our adventure written so amazingly well by Kim Godwin for assassins, and it's if you if you're a fan of William Friedkin, here's an interesting way in through something like The Exorcist. Uh, you may or may not have seen his movie Sorcerer, which played a massive inspiration uh, in Rat and a Burning Cage. And if you have watched it, or if you haven't watched it, I recommend seeing it, because it is such a wonderful inspirational piece. And it basically sets our assassins up in something of a retirement village uh, for assassins somewhere in South America. And uh, this is a place where burned agents in the sort of burn notice uh, style would go, where people would migrate to to escape authority. And yet there is a reason they need to get into this place, snatch a person, and get out. And 
when you're in a uh, town that is or village that's entirely occupied by killers, that can prove quite a tricky proposition. And so, as well as being a really fun adventure, it's an adventure that comes with maps, it comes with counters, it comes with sound effects, it comes with virtual tabletop support as well. We went all out on this one because we wanted to trial uh, uh, an adventure that came with, I guess, all the accessories you could hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, In much the same way as uh, in the olden days of RPGs, you could buy a source book for something like DC Heroes, and you would get counters for the heroes and villains. You would get your maps in the back. You know, you'd get all these things. Like it's a little box set, a a game you can play from the box. And that is the point of uh, Rat in a Burning Cage. There is no ability in this scenario that isn't, uh written up described and Mm -hmm. basically playable straight from the book so i really recommend it if you aren't already a uh an owner of assassins you can pick this up and it will hopefully whet your appetite to pick up assassins and even if it doesn't you can buy Rat in a Burning Cage and enjoy it, whether it's a convention or for friends, as something like the upcoming Illusion Horicon. This mm-hmm. is, or on our start playing game nights that we do every single uh, month. Just such a wonderful scenario. And uh, Eddie, of course, uh, was responsible for the sound effects, the sound mixing, uh, which is why you can hear, hear him going chugga 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 when he's supposed to be a helicopter's rotor blades and uh, i really loved your for a for a lorry as you would call it starting up um not I'm sorry, so keen... I'm american i don't know what a lorry is <laughs> uh, it, it's it's a it's a woman's name l-a-u-r-i-e oh, okay. yeah 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 isn't um, it a boy's name in little women uh, maybe yes i uh, like and of course peter lorry uh, the actor, but uh, yeah, I wasn't keen on Eddie's uh, machine gun. Daka 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 daka. How dare oh, yeah, you? Daka, very daka, very daka. very Warhammer. Very that's too 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 40k there. Uh, critics. Yeah, I know. But uh, luckily, we managed to edit all of Eddie's attempts out by the final version, so you will get a properly polished version of Rat in a Burning Cage if you pick it up. Please do. I'm- that that being said, now I do kind of want to release a uh, a, a Pugmire adventure which has sound effects and like, there's there's proper sound effects. And there's a whole thing of just mouth noises. <laughs> <laughs> it's, if you don't make your own mouth noises, but somebody else will do it for you, here you go. I mean, you could do it where they came from and have a list of inappropriate noises or or noises that may not be appropriate. So you open the door or you listen at the door, and this is the noise you hear. And you get a select a random selection of uh, thirty noises, and right, who knows right. what you might hear on the other side. <laughs> it's one folder. It says party horns, but it's it's padded for protectors. So you can never open it. <laughs> well, that's probably copywritten uh, to. That's why it's for protectors. Yeah. Because you can't sell that. Yeah. One of them is just Matthew going hula. Hula. <laughs> oh, I could make a decent farty horns uh, parallel. Oh, yeah, and an homage to the, the farty <laughs> or my Have we tribute. done that on this very podcast multiple times? Yes. <laughs> and it was more upward inflection, isn't it? Because so... you have to remember the drunken clown stumbling up his, up the stairs of his apartment block, fumbling with his keys and falling <laughs> over before he hits the door, because that's the sound. If you can picture that, you can get that... 
<laughs> so yes, that's what you get for for in this adventure. And this is what so hard I had to mute because I coughed. <laughs> and this is what this is what you get, listeners. This is what you get when the three of us get back together again. Uh, it, we we did cover the topic, but by God, we'll cushion it in. <laughs> Literally anything else. Yeah, we're having fun. We are recording this on Halloween, so you know we're just having a fun, having a fun holiday time. Yeah, we're all and drunk on pumpkin. This. Yes, yes, I am pumpkin drunk. But it's a thing fermented pumpkin. Pumpkin drunk. I don't. I don't. I don't think you should ferment a pumpkin. Um, I, I imagine you could. Maybe ferment, you should. I bet you could ferment a pumpkin. I know. I just don't know how that would taste. I, you know, microbreweries. You can get all kinds of bizarre flavors now in a in an IPA or something like that. I, so it yeah, genuinely wouldn't surprise me if there there has to be a pumpkin flavored IPA out there. There's uh, there's like millions of them. Yeah. <laughs> like my my boyfriend is super into pumpkin ale. Uh, so we oh, often well, have them we in go. the house around this time. And also, all there's a lot of local breweries where I live in Maryland, hmm. and um. Almost all of them have a pumpkin something currently. It's uh, I see. very common. Yes. I think but when you when you graduate from the pumpkin spice coffee, the lattes to the ale, um, that means you're not a fan of the, the booze or the coffee, you just love pumpkins. Nothing yeah, like that. I like pumpkin bread and pumpkin pie, but I've never been big on the pumpkin drinks. Like mm. when it comes to fall drinks, I'm more of an apple cider gal. Uh, uh, or like a like a like, like a mulled wine when it gets closer to winter. Yeah, but yeah, I've 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 tried pumpkin spice lattes. Not my thing. Don't judge anybody for enjoying them. But no, no. my 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 year round drink is a white chocolate mint mocha when I go to like Starbucks. So see, I'm not a coffee drinker as you know, but I that still sounds appealing to me because I like a certain bitterness and the the white chocolate. The sound of the white chocolate with it does imply that the bitterness is offset with a pleasant sweetness yeah it is i mean that's that's that, that's how i take all my coffee like mm. i i am a you know two creams two sugars person when it comes to coffee yeah mm. um whereas with tea i just do like a little bit of of sweetness and no cream usually but mm. um but yeah for for, for coffee i'm a, a big cream person so yeah i i used to work with people who would first thing in the morning They'd go to the drinks machine. They'd get like their triple shots of espresso, mm-hmm. and I just don't get it. I do, <laughs> just do not understand what you could have possibly been doing the night before, or how incapable you must be <laughs> in the morning if you need this to function. But I know that's been a pathway I've been down before. It's an unanswerable question, isn't it? Also, um, one one thing about people with ADHD, like I have, is that a lot of times we're not caffeine sensitive. Mm. Um, so I can drink caffeine literally from when I wake up to when I go to bed, yeah. and not be jittery or anything, and like it doesn't keep me up. Mm. Um, I envy you. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it is it's partially because of how my my brain chemistry works, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, caffeine does not really do much to me unless I drink like. An excessive amount. One, yeah. one time, my old roommate bought some of that Death Wish coffee, which oh, is God. like hyper caffeinated. And I thought to myself, I'll be fine drinking this. Caffeine doesn't really affect me. And I thought I was going to die. 
Like, yeah. I almost had an anxiety attack after I drank, like, oh, one cup Lord. of it. And I was like, okay, that's too much caffeine at once. <laughs> like, there's a big difference between a cup of regular coffee and a cup of whatever that was. <laughs> because I definitely sat at my desk. This is back in, like, 2018, 2019. Just, like, feeling bad. <laughs> Being like, you should never drink that again. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, like kill myself with caffeine but i am i am often drinking either a diet coke or a tea or a coffee and i often am drinking those at midnight as well <laughs> and then just going to bed afterwards speaking of stuff too much which of our games is most likely want to have combat drugs in because i think death wish is a great name for a combat drug anima uh, anima, anima aberrant uh dystopia rising aeon yeah yeah Wow, you know, we, we really fuel that combat drug trade then, don't we? Right. <laughs> uh, but um, I was going to say, speaking of, of too much, um, I was reading this recently, uh, uh, because one of the other things, I, I can't handle caffeine well also. I used to be able to handle hot sauce well, and I do not anymore. Uh, but I have developed um, more heartburn as I've gotten older, and it makes me sad. Right, mm. exactly, exactly. Uh, but apparently there's a new pepper called Pepper X. Yep, and which has been my developed. boyfriend has a sauce made with it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It is 2.693 million Scovilles. Yep. Million. That is way too many Scovilles. It, it currently holds the Guinness record for hottest pepper. Yes, it's um, ridiculous. I assume not, mm -hmm. but I'm not an expert on hot sauce. I think it's more of an American thing. Obviously, the British invented the Vindaloo, famously. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but the idea of chili sauce uh is more of an american and mexican uh thing than than british right. and so i assume the purpose of, of drink of drinking of, of eating things doused in such uh fire is more for the experience than the flavor uh and i'm not trying to say this uh derisively uh what? if we're going to keep with our mispronunciations um <laughs> although i quite like derisively um ivy. yes <laughs> this is deris ively hi <laughs> uh but yeah uh, because i i don't eat vindaloo's because i think it's overpowering to the point that i can no longer taste the meal right um, and, and and the vindaloo is like roughly like Maybe four or five thousand Scovilles? Yeah, yeah, it's nowhere near what most right. hot sauces get to now. My boyfriend uh, will order Bindaloo and then put hot sauce on it. But see, I, 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 was, uh, I was reading this in Science of America, and I just pulled it up to remind me, because uh, they're talking about what the experience of eating it is like. Mm. Uh, uh, and, there, and there's lots of caveat of, like, don't eat it raw, that's ridiculous. No, no one's safe person to do that. Um, but a Reaper pepper, which, is, which was one of the original... Yeah, it was higher than that. Um, Takes about half an hour to recover from, including the cramps, as this article says. And that's like if you eat a pepper. That's not like if right. you eat some of the hot sauce. Yeah. Right, right, right. For the um, pepper X takes five to six hours to recover from. Yeah. No. Uh. So this past year for Christmas, my present to my boyfriend was a monthly subscription to the Hot Ones hot sauce delivery service. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. So they send us three bottles of hot sauce every month. Well, us, wow. him, not me, because I yeah. I can't handle capsaicin all that well, so that's right. all yeah. him. But it works really well for us in our relationship, because it means that I can just make dinner the way I want to eat it, mm -hmm. and then if he wants to make it spicy, he can. 
Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. Um, and they also send a lot of really interesting flavors. Like, he's got, like, a roasted garlic one that's also spicy that he's been putting on a lot of things. But in, in the most recent one, the uh, October box, they did send us their brand new Pepper X hot yeah. sauce. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, he put, like, a drop of it on, like, a chicken nugget and ate it. And his his face turned red. <laughs> like he, like that's very spicy. He will not be using that one quite as much. Yeah. Um. And 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 he regularly eats really spicy hot sauce. So like that that one was a lot. It's it, it is definitely more of an an experiential thing, which I kind of get because I I do like horseradish a lot. Mm. And so like I definitely miss going to like Harry and Izzy's at Gen Con and getting the ridiculously horseradishy shrimp cocktail. Sure, and it is an endorphin rush. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like yeah. with the hot sauce, you, you get tons of endorphins. It feels good after the really bad part. Yeah, it, it really doesn't bad. feel good to me. <laughs> it, it 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 hurts. Well, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, you know, I I flippantly said the British invented the vindaloo. I'm aware right. we're we're over an hour now. That's uh, fine. So, um, so I know that there are actually some curries that the British and British Indians in particular have invented. Yes, mm-hmm. um, I've that recently. Um, but uh, the Vindaloo, I I didn't think it was British, uh, but just discovered uh, the Vindaloo is standard element of Goan cuisine, derived from the Portuguese carne de vina dalos, meaning meat in garlic marinade. Wow! Okay. Uh, so it was a basic structure of a Portuguese dish, which uh, which Portuguese sailors preserved within which Portuguese sailors preserve raw ingredients. Because I was aware that the British. Invented curries. Like, oh, they didn't invent curries, but they invented their curries, usually to take away the flavor of horribly bad meat and other right. ingredients that traveled far with them. Uh, but or at least that's the that's the urban legend, I suppose. Right. Does that mean uh, that it was a, so? Because it's called vindaloo. Does that mean that it was originally in like wine versus vinegar? Because it's, um, it's, it's 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 vinegar now, but I know that Vaughn is wine. Yeah, good good point. Um, whoop, let's see. Um, no, Vina, um, which is, um, I'm guessing that is the marinade. Um, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, and it says the basic. Oh, meat of, of wi- meat of wine with garlic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. There we go. So yeah, it was originally wine, and now it's more vinegar and oh, spices. Yeah, vinegar. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I I I don't eat it because I look at it and it looks spicy. Yes. And it does. It, yeah, and like like whenever my boyfriend gets a dish and it's got like the like red oil floating on it, I'm like, no, mm. that's not for me. <laughs> no, thank you. Like like uh, the, like spiciest things I like to eat is like a Chinese like hot and sour soup. Yeah. Which is a little spicy, but not like blow your palate out you know mm. um so like some spice fine but it, it like it, it it hits a threshold somewhere around like medium salsa yeah and like that's that's where i need to stop because it's not fun anymore for me after that mm-hmm. right and yeah. i really hate it when i go to a restaurant and they put salsa on the table and i try it and i'm like oh no oh no that was a that was a really really spicy house salsa <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, i'm going to yeah. feel bad for the next hour Right, because I mean, like on, on some, and that, that, that's why I, I never shame or judge people by like how much I used to be like, you know, oh my god, pepper spicy. It's like I used to judge people like that, and I don't anymore because it's like you know what, if it makes you happy to eat your food, exactly, it, I don't care. 
Much um, the same as to bring it back to topic, Eddie. I feel the exact same way about people who play Squeaks in the Deep instead of The World Below. <laughs> that it's too spicy? Yeah. Uh, I mean, too spicy for me. Uh, I, I, my socks were blown off by Squeaks in the Deep. In fact, about <laughs> spice rats, we're actually getting into exalted territory. Ooh. Where there are rats that you comb to get spices from. So, yeah, really? No such thing as yes. an original idea, is there? That is an actual setting thing in uh, in in Exalted. Is that at some some place in Exalted there are things called spice rats, and they're rats that make spices somehow from their skin. And so you 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 pick up the rats and you and you comb them to get the spices. Sounds delightful. So weird setting element. And then <laughs> you I... snort the spice and gain psionics. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're like eyes turn blue. It's very weird. Yeah, <laughs> uh, okay. well, you know, in our world, there are those uh, bats that, um, what is it, they eat the coffee bean, and then we clean up their... Bats, uh, it's civets. Okay, well, I know you are the great protector of bats, so I shouldn't have misrepresented them, uh, them and I'm sorry. Yeah, I no, am I mean, sorry. This, this is actually more based on my experience working in, like, high-end coffee shops. Like, I'm very, like, aware of coffee, and civet poop coffee is one of those things that I'm like, I think it's weird, but okay. Yeah, uh, I it's one of those things where I don't want to use that term, I don't want to yuck someone's yum. Not only do I not like the sound of that phrase anyway, the idea of talking about that when, when we're talking about pellets that have been passed... <laughs> Yeah, right. No, 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 thank you. Right. I mean, we mm. already eat bee vomit, so might as well. Well, bees are a nice, clean creature. You know, that they are <laughs> sacrosanct. We, we worship the bee. But civets are disgusting? Fuck them. <laughs> All right. Uh, the official stance of this podcast is fuck civets. Fuck civets. <laughs> Which is sad, because civets are very cute. Uh, but if people want to talk to you, Matthew... <laughs> about snippets, mispronouncing words, any of the games we talked about today, uh, your ongoing battle between Squeaks in the Deep and the World Below, Hot Sauce, uh, where would they do so? Yeah, they, they don't have to, to be honest. Okay, nobody find Matthew. Uh, Eddie, <laughs> what about you? You can find me on uh, Pugstedy, uh, that's P-U-G-S-T-E-A-D-Y, normally pronounced Pugstedy, but differently today. You put some umlauts over that. Right, poog, 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 poog study. Um, I've, been, I've been talking to Tim Murr too long. Um, uh, but yeah, that's my website, uh, uh That's you can usually find on some social media sites uh, that way. But really, the best place to find me is on the uh, Onyx Path Discord, um, where actually I'm not really in a conversation right now, so I may have to fix that. Oh yeah, you should definitely you know talk more, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually, usually when we have these 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 recaps, I'm usually in the middle of some kind of discussion on the Discord. I just happens to not be in one right now. Well, you can find me on the Discord. Uh, you can find me everywhere on social media at Dixie Kyanid. Um... <laughs> Ooh, actually, I like that. A Kyanid could be could be a creature, couldn't it? And in the world below, maybe yeah, or squeeze in the deep uh, that is inherently toxic. <laughs> it would it would make sense. Yeah. But sorry, do carry on. <laughs> uh, you can find us everywhere at the Onyx Path, theonyxpath.com. Thank you for listening, and as always, many worlds, one podcast. <laughs>